Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who just five years into my legal career found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. So that I didn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided it was time to redefine success from the inside out. Fast forward a few years and it worked. I had a thriving legal career balanced with a fulfilling life. What I learned is that you can achieve the success you want without sacrificing yourself in the process. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello there. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life and Law Podcast. Welcome to episode number 108. We are now into season three, y'all, and I'm really excited to be back. I took a six-week hiatus, a time off, which was needed. I got to the end of the school year, and there was a lot going on both personally and professionally. I needed to fill another round of my mastermind, and I just needed a break. But I'm super excited to be back with you here today. And I know I say that all the time, but I truly am excited to be back and really excited about today's topic. So today we are going to get into something that is kind of near and dear to my heart, and that is looking at the nuance, nuance around working from home, working virtually, working remotely. I think as is typical, with a lot of things out there, we tend to only look at one side of the coin. And yet there's incredible nuance out there. And what do I mean by that? So let's take, for example, I see this a lot when clients come to me and they're they're really weighing the risk and benefits to making a big change. Maybe they are thinking about going in-house from private practice. Maybe they are thinking about changing law firms. Maybe they are thinking about growing from a solo practice into an actual law firm of their own. And maybe, like me, they are thinking about leaving law altogether and starting something new. We tend to over-focus, really hyper-focus, on the risk of such a big change because there's so much uncertainty, right? So we look at all the what-ifs from a negative standpoint, but we don't look at all the what-ifs from a positive standpoint. Now, there's a flip side to that. When we know the benefits to something and that there are obvious benefits to something and we like those benefits, we humans also tend to overfocus and hyperfocus on the benefits without paying attention to the drawbacks. And unfortunately, one area where we do that is working remotely because y'all, there are drawbacks. Now, let me be the first to say, I am not saying you can't work remotely, you can't work virtually 100%, you can't work hybrid. That's not what I'm saying. I work from home. (laughs) Obviously, I've decided that works for me. But we need to be honest about what the drawbacks are so that you can understand why they're drawbacks and do something about them so that they don't work against you. And also, let me just be clear, not everybody is meant to work virtually or from home. Some people really do like to be in the office with other people. And so this is what we're getting into today. And The reason I'm talking about this, what's really interesting is today's episode was not going to be about this. It was actually going to be about how to be more organized and productive, which we will get to later in season three. It'll probably come out late summer or fall. 
But because this particular issue has come up numerous, and I mean numerous times, over the course of the last, I'd say, six to eight weeks, I wanted to address it. I've seen articles about this. I've commented on this um, in some posts on LinkedIn. I've been asked to speak recently um, over the past couple of months, a couple of times now, on stress management and mental health. And this particular issue came up a number of times when I was speaking on that topic. And I kind of figured, you know what, (laughs) it's time to talk about this on the podcast because it is a hot topic. And we're starting to see a lot more policies out there when it comes to companies, corporations, and law firms requiring people to come back into the office more often. And in fact, one of the places I spoke recently asked me about what I thought um, on this issue. I I went in to speak to them around stress management, burnout, and mental health. And we talked about strategies and tools, of course, for staying mentally healthy and managing stress appropriately and not having anxiety, which are things that all lawyers deal with and, frankly, a lot of high achievers do in general. And one of the strategies is to connect with other humans because human beings are meant for connection. And because I went into that, they started asking me questions around, well, what about hybrid work? What about working virtually 100%? How does that impact you? And they were really concerned about this and wanting for varying reasons to start to require their employees who've been 100% virtual to come into the office at least part-time. And so because I'm seeing more and more of this and because I'm actually seeing a lot of thoughtful, a lot of care really put around the why behind we might want to have people in the office, at least part-time. I wanted to talk about this, okay? So this is what we are getting into today. But before I get any further, I have a request to make of you. If you are a listener of this podcast and you are enjoying it, and you have not yet given me a rating and or review... I am asking that you please do so. It only takes a couple of minutes and it will help me be found. Now, this is primarily for people who are listening to me via Apple. All you have to do is click on the stars to give me a rating. Hopefully it's five, but honestly, I want you to be super honest about it. And then please also give me an actual review. You don't have to use your real name. You can use um, a code name. You can use your email address. That's totally up to you. But if you could tell me what it is you enjoy about the podcast the most, that would really help me. I do review all of the feedback. I appreciate it greatly. And I listen to you. So if there is something that you enjoy Uh, that I've covered that you'd like me to cover again or more fully or in a different way, I'd love to hear that. If there's something I haven't covered or you feel I haven't covered a particular angle or enough of it, I'd love to hear that too. I do take that to heart and I'm constantly trying to find new angles and new ways to address, you know, whatever it is that you need from me. So I would appreciate that. Okay, let's get into today's topic. There was an article that I read recently that really got my blood boiling. It was an article on Business Insider that was linked to by somebody that I admire a lot who has a 100% virtual law firm. And the, you know, she was asking about, you know, what our thoughts were to this. And I read the article and the article kind of made me angry. And here is the title of the article. 
the real reason bosses are freaked out by remote work. It was on Business Insider, and I will put a link to this article in the event you would like to read it in the show notes. And there were a lot of assumptions that I think were just not correct. Now, let me just say, these assumptions, sometimes these things are correct, right? Sometimes people want you back for bad reasons. Sometimes they don't think it through. Sometimes it's for their own personal selfish reasons. But that's not always the case. And oftentimes there's a lot more to it than that. Maybe some of those are reasons, but there are other reasons too. And the gist of this article was that, and I think she even said something like, you know, they might as well just admit that they think working from home is for sissies. And even though people have proved they can work from home just fine and not be in the office, you know, all the old white male leaders of, you know, companies just want to go back to the way things were. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that's true. You know, maybe it is to some extent, but it's not the only thing. And oftentimes, there are real reasons why people want you back in the office. And so we really need to get into that and talk about what do we do? (laughs) Like, what's the answer? And warning, there is no good, perfect answer here, okay? So what I want you to do with this information is, number one, think about how it applies to you individually, right? It's somewhat going to depend on your own personality, your own strengths and weaknesses, and where you are in your career. I think at different stages of our careers, we need different things. And at different stages of life and our life circumstances, we need different things. So you want to come at it first and foremost from your own personal angle. And then secondarily, especially if you are somebody in a management and or leadership position, I want you to think about it from that perspective too with respect to those people you manage and those that, you know, Maybe you don't directly manage them, but you have some say on policies that will impact them because you need to understand where they're coming from when it comes to the pros and the cons. And you need to be very thoughtful in the policies that you put forth when it comes to deciding whether you're going to allow virtual hybrid, you know, work arrangements. And then you're also going to want to consider, okay, what does that mean for everyone? And how do we create a cohesive environment, a cohesive integrated culture, regardless of what the policies are, whether it's hybrid, whether it's all in person, whether it's completely virtual, whether some people are hybrid, some people are virtual. I mean, we have different situations for different people. Unfortunately, This type of work arrangement, although it can be really great in many ways, does bring in some added issues that we just need to think through and we need to be more proactive about. And something that was said on a prior interview has always stuck with me. So a while back, it was in season two, I think early on in season two, I interviewed the amazing and wonderful Elise Bowie. And Elise is the one who actually uh, had a link to this article and asked for people's thoughts. And she has a 100% virtual law firm. And she's done an amazing job with putting together a 100% virtual law firm. But she said in the interview where we talked about this that virtual work is not for everyone. 
And even if it is for everybody who's a part of your firm, you need to be really proactive in thinking through a lot of these issues that we're going to talk about today so that you can create the culture you want and ensure that there is a cohesive and integrated environment. If you have not heard that interview with Elise, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. It was really wonderful. I will put a link to that interview in the show notes as well. So let's start with the personal, like the really nitty gritty personal issues that come up when we are working virtually. Number one, mental health. So I think I mentioned this a little bit before, but let's really get into this. Human beings are made to connect with other human beings. When we start to feel less connected to people, it frays at our mental health. We have been hearing a lot about the impact on mental health in kids and teenagers and young adults and how much the policies around the pandemic and how the shutdown and even masking to some extent has impacted them. And a lot of that has to do with those are formative years, right, where we need to connect. I've seen this in my own kids, especially my oldest, my teenager. He and most of his friends, they don't get out quite as much. They're more introverted than a lot of kids before and even my younger child um, who's just four and a half years younger who went through the same pandemic but at a different age. My oldest was in middle school at that time, and those are kind of formative years where you're pushing boundaries more, you're trying to be more independent, you want to get out more, right? Yet he wasn't able to. And even when things started to open up, it wasn't the same. It wasn't quote-unquote normal and has only gotten that way in the last year and a half or so. And so it's really impacted him and his friends. And we hear all the time about the mental health of teens right now, and there are a lot of reasons for it, but it is clear that the shutdowns and not being able to live normal life and connect in the normal way that we always had is a piece of that puzzle. It's not just a problem for teenagers, although it is probably a bigger issue for them because of, you know, these are formative years for their development. It's also an issue for any human being. We are meant to connect. And yes, you connect through writing and you connect through being on the phone, and you connect through Zoom, but they're not the same thing as in-person connection, okay? So that is one issue or problem that we might have, and some people are better than others. One thing I noticed when the pandemic first hit, I had a mastermind group going at the time, and it was really interesting because one of my group members was used to working from home probably 80% of the time. So he really didn't have a lot of issues with it. He was sad to not be able to get out as much. It did impact him. Let me, you know, I don't want to downplay it, but it didn't impact him in the same way that it impacted someone else who was used to going into the office every day, loved going in the office, and was a self-described people person. And she really had a hard time during the shutdown because she couldn't see people in person. And yes, we did things proactively to ensure she was still talking to people on the phone and she got on Zoom, but Zoom fatigue is real, y'all. It still wasn't the same. So what I want you to know here is no matter whether you're introverted or extroverted, no matter whether you prefer to work from home, whether you prefer a hybrid arrangement, where you prefer to be in person, it is going to impact you if you're not 
with people, right? If you're not connecting with them. So you want to find ways to connect and connect in person. Go out to lunches, do breakfast, do happy hours, do things together. And if you have a 100% virtual firm, this came from Elise. I know what she does. She does a lot of, um, they have book clubs. They have, they have different, like, I guess, groups within their firm. And her firm's not hugely big, but everybody is a member of the group that they care about. Some are members of a young parents group. Some are members of the book club. Based on their interests, they do these things together that have nothing to do with work. And she's learned that a lot of people don't need that when they're in person 100% of the time. But they did need that because they need another way to create a cohesive structure and understand one another in different ways and not just from the work perspective. Because what you lose when you're 100% virtual is that that coffee talk, right? When you meet up at the coffee machine and you just get into conversation about the shows you're watching or the things you listen to or the news of the day, you do not do that as much. And those types of interactions are actually really important because you get to know people on a more personal level. It helps you connect more fully with them. It helps you understand them better, right? It helps you find ways where there are similarities and you lose it. And so if you are in a 100% virtual office, you need to figure out ways to deal with that, to give you that. And that's something that she and her firm have done to combat that. That has worked really, really well. So again, not saying you can't do it, but you got to be proactive about it. And if you are at a 100% virtual firm and they're doing those things and it's still not enough, that's telling you something. You might be one of those people like Sabrina was, my past client who just needs more personal interaction. Maybe you don't need to be in a virtual firm. Maybe you need a hybrid arrangement or want to be in person 100% of the time. That would be up to you and you need to be honest about it with yourself and then go find the situation that best fits you and your needs. Okay. Now, the other thing that I found personally, there's a second drawback that we often don't discuss that I think is really important to understand. You might end up working more, not less, by working from home. There is this thought that working from home means more flexibility. Well, flex, yes, it does to an extent, but flexibility isn't the end-all, be-all. And often, it's not necessarily the solution to what truly ails you. And what I mean by that is, People who come to me saying, I have no work-life balance, I just need to be home more so that I can be around my kids, so that I can get stuff done, so that I have more quote-unquote flexibility. 99.99% of the time, flexibility for them is not the answer because that's not the problem. The problem are their own boundaries. The problem is that they never say no. The problem is that they don't draw lines. And when you're working from home more often, those lines get blurred really fast. There is no line between work and home. And it's really easy to say, okay, yeah, just give me five or 10 minutes to finish this thing up. And then that thing ends up taking longer. And then something else comes in that you think won't take long and you do it. And the next thing you know, it's an hour and a half, two hours later, and you're still working and your family's given up on you. So something to note when you are working from home, you need standards and boundaries for others and yourself. 
for coworkers, for colleagues, and also for yourself. You need to identify what those boundaries need to be. You need to communicate what they are, and then you need to enforce them. And FYI, saying no is not the boundary. The rule is the boundary. The no is one of many enforcement mechanisms to implementing your own boundaries. I have an entire episode around boundaries. So if this is something that you're like, yeah, I need to work on this, highly recommend you go check it out. I will put a link to that episode in the show notes as well. Okay, so these are kind of the two big personal issues. There's a mental health issue with not connecting enough that you need to be very proactive about. And then there's also the blurred lines issue that maybe flexibility isn't the answer and there are other things you need to work on in order to ensure that you have an actual work-life balance that works for you. Now let's get to some other things that a lot of people do not talk about. When you're not working in person, it impacts your professional development, the relationships, everything. So, number one, training. A lot of companies, organizations, and law firms have a little bit of formalized training, but not enough. When you are hybrid and or remote, fully remote, You need more formalized, proactive training that you keep up with. You need processes and procedures to help people out. One of the things that I hear the most from young attorneys is, I don't even know how to do my job. I just need enough information and training so that I can know what I'm supposed to be doing and know how to do it. And this is something I have kept hearing, and I know it was mentioned on a prior interview where I interviewed Molly Huff, who was a kind of a mid-level attorney uh, years-wise, who I think she was at a firm. Now she's, I believe, gone in-house. But she has some programs for young attorneys, uh, especially for litigators, on trainings that they need to know to be a good litigator and the kind of the basics because (laughs) this is so not covered in law firms, which really makes no sense, right? And I think before it wasn't as necessary because young lawyers would be in person with the mid, you know, the middle lawyers and these more senior lawyers and they would be around them and they would learn from watching and they would get pulled into things more often. Well, when they're working primarily from home, they don't have that advantage. And the formalized, systematized trainings haven't caught up with where they actually are. And this is something that needs to needs to change. So if you are a more senior person at a law firm, please note that if you are going to allow for hybrid and or virtual work, you need to have very formalized systems and trainings for people so that they understand what it is they're supposed to be doing and how to do their jobs. And you probably need to think about, you know, obviously you need it for that first year or two, but Everybody has a step-up point, right? We kind of get in. There's a lot we need to know in that first year where you'd have a lot of training. And then over time, they may need more formalized stuff. And this is stuff that you're just going to have to figure out for your own practice. Because for the bigger firms out there, it's not enough to just have the early trainings that first year. Yes, you need those. But each practice group or even not, you know, because these big firms like what I was in, 
we had a huge practice group, but then we had little mini groups within each practice group based on the exact practice that we had and the offices we were in. Well, they, you guys need to come up with your own system, systems and processes and trainings around that, right? So that when people are expected to step up, they understand what it is they're supposed to be doing. And it needs to be more formal the more virtual you are because how else are they going to learn? So this is something that I feel very strongly about, if you can't tell. And it is something that young people, you need to understand, is a huge downside to working virtually. The next thing I want to talk about is company culture. It's really hard to create the company culture you want when you are fully virtual, unless you're incredibly proactive about it. It's more than just the top leadership that need to be on board with this, okay? And you need people to partake. So something that I see a lot is the very senior people who've been practicing a lot, who have very developed relationships with their their clients and are thinking about winding down in the next five, even 10 years, it's easier for them sometimes to just step away and say, okay, I'm just going to be hybrid or I'm just going to be remote. And you just keep doing your thing and you expect everybody under you to know what to do and the culture quickly falls apart because you're not you're supposed to be the glue that keeps it together you are the leader of that group but if you're not being proactive around the management of that group and the culture of that group it will fall apart it is up to you and what i see a lot is you feel like it's too much Like you're already doing a lot of business development. You're doing a lot of admin. You're doing a lot of leadership and you don't have the time for that. But I hate to break it to you. You're going to need to take the time or it's not going to work. The same goes for those of you in kind of uh, the middle management, I would say, kind of, you know, um, higher level associates, young partners. It's really up to you guys to help keep groups cohesive. Yes, it's great to be hybrid. Yes, it's great to be remote. But that means you're going to have to be more proactive in reaching out to those people who work with and for you. If you want the culture to be, you know, what it is you want it to be, right? So be very careful about getting complacent about, well, I just, it's it's my practice and it's my client and I'm just going to focus and kind of keep blinders on and just do that. If you do that, eventually, the people around you who you're used to being there and supporting you are not going to stick around because they're going to feel abandoned. And yeah, it is more on your plate, but it's worthwhile. Because remember, you're developing stronger relationships that are supporting you as well from a work perspective, but also from a personal mental health perspective. So you want to keep that in mind. So company culture, group culture, Office culture, really important to keep in mind when it comes to having hybrid arrangements and, you know, virtual space. The other thing I would say is professional relationships and development. So it was something I remember from early on in my career. So the first like four years of my career, I was at a particular firm and there was this one partner who I really liked working with because he was whip smart, like just wicked smart, probably the smartest person I have ever worked with in my entire career, in my entire life. 
And he had really great deals to work on. And I learned a lot from him. But he was super busy and hard to get in front of. So anytime I wanted more work from him or was working on something with him but had questions and couldn't get in front of him because he was always on these long calls with clients, I would see him get up to go to the coffee machine. I would get up too and I would go get a drink. Usually it wasn't coffee because I didn't drink a ton of coffee and I still don't drink a ton of coffee. I do drink coffee, but not a lot. I'd go get water, right? Even if I didn't need it. Because it was our kind of time to chat, catch up, where I could ask questions. When you're working virtually, that goes away, right? And so it's really hard not just to get to know people, but to ask questions. It's hard to develop those really strong mentoring relationships, both up and down. Mentorship is important for the person being mentored, obviously. It helps them grow. It helps them learn. It helps them get questions answered. Mentors often, if they're uh, politically connected, become sponsors as well to help guide you in your career, get you promotions, all of that. But it is a two-way street. And there's a lot to be learned as a mentor from your mentee as well. There's a lot of growth that occurs. There's a lot of leadership growth and emotional intelligence growth that you get. And so you lose out on that. If you're not, again, being super proactive and reaching out in having group events and getting to know one another on a personal level. And let me be clear about this to anybody who has, you know, really high big goals around becoming leadership in a firm, becoming, if you're in a... um an organization, not a law firm, but a company, and you want to move up into management and maybe C-suite level, you don't get into those positions without developing strong relationships within your company, your firm, your organization. And the only way to do that is to be incredibly proactive. And frankly, that's a lot easier when you're in person. So this is one of the biggest drawbacks of not being in person. It can impact your career. Now, something else I want to note, all of these are issues, right? There's personal issues, there's professional issues. And as I said before, depending on where you are in your stage of your career, you need to think about this for yourself for obvious reasons, but also you want to think about this for the entirety of the group. And you want to understand kind of the strengths and the weaknesses of of the people that are part of your group, whether they are people you manage or people that manage you. Because everybody has their own strengths, their own weaknesses, and their own personality. And although a hybrid arrangement may work great for you, or maybe an all remote or mostly remote arrangement works really good for you and you're really good about being proactive, not everybody else is. And they may need you around a little more than you'd like so that they can bond with you, so that they can build relationships. I know it's not easy. (laughs) And sometimes the answers aren't what we want. Sometimes we give a little to get back more, right? So I want you to be really honest about, number one, where do you lie on this spectrum? Number two, where do those people who you work with, whether they're your managers 
whether they're your team members, whether they're people that you manage, where do they lie? And then what does that mean for the group, for the policies that you guys want, and for, you know, what you need to do to ensure you personally progress, you are personally healthy, and you also professionally progress, but that you also do it in a way where you're thoughtful about those who are part of your group. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening today. We will be back next week with our first guest of season three. Do you ever feel like you're a bit isolated, unsupported even, and that you don't have enough people to talk to, to talk out your big business goals, to brainstorm creatively with, and to get the necessary support that you need to do the things you know you need to do that are uncomfortable because they're uncertain for your big business goals? If that sounds like you, then I think you might be interested in learning more about Elevate, my business mastermind for attorneys who are looking for deep connections within and support from a group of peers that will challenge you to move forward on your bigger goals and also that will help you have fun along the way. I invite you to check out Elevate. There will be a link to it in the show notes.